You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. The term telemedicine is the delivery of medicine at a distance. The term is composed of the Greek word tele, meaning far, and medicine. Telemedicine may be as simple as two health professionals discussing a case over the phone, or as complex as using satellite technology and video conferencing equipment to conduct a real-time consultation between medical specialists in two different countries. It can even involve the use of an unmanned robot. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Dr. Alfred Beauvais, Vice President of the American College of Cardiology. We also have Dr. William P. Santamore, Director of the Telemedicine Research Center at Temple University School of Medicine. Welcome, doctors. Thank you. We appreciate being on the program. Dr. Beauvais, can you tell our audience a little bit about what telemedicine is to you? Our program at Temple University uh, in Philadelphia involves using the Internet for telemedicine. There are several, obviously, different ways that one can do this. You mentioned satellite and telephone, but we, in particular, were interested in in taking advantage of the Internet technology and the newer advances in security to allow us to communicate with patients across a secure Internet website. And uh, so for us, telemedicine is using the Internet to connect a patient and a physician. And Dr. Santamore, would you agree with his definition? Yes, yes, I, I would agree with that. I just want to expand or maybe say that telemedicine is a very broad term. It's it's almost like saying we're studying the heart where you can study so many different aspects. Clearly, there's teleradiology that from, people are familiar with. We're just using today's technology to transfer information from one point to another. There's also teleconferencing, which you had mentioned at the introduction here. And we're using more of it in an asynchronous means to connect the physician with the patient. So some would say telemedicine medicine's too simple a definition, we should call it bandwidth medicine. How did both of you get involved with telemedicine? Let me start with that because obviously I'm, my background, aside from being a cardiologist, is electrical engineering and I've always been interested in developing communication tools. Around about 1997 or 98, we began to develop a system in Philadelphia where primary care physicians that we were working with could communicate with us using a, a, tele, a modem type system so that they could get short consultations with cardiologists across, again, an asynchronous type of communication. And I'll define that as a communication where the two individuals do not have to be connected at the same time. So one response can go out and another can come back later, a lot like email. The concept of connecting a primary care physician with a, with a specialist in that method evolved into searching for a tool. And uh, the internet was developing at that point. So as we began to move forward with the tool for connecting physicians, it suddenly dawned on us that what we really needed was to have the patients and the physicians be connected. So from that point, and I think in 99, we began to develop the patient communication system. We were funded through um, a small business research grant from the NIH to develop the first round, and subsequent to that, has have received some other research funding from the State Department of Health in Pennsylvania and from the NIH uh, in other areas for diabetes, for example. Dr. Santamore, anything to add? Yes, we uh, had a meeting actually early in the time frame that Fred mentioned about 1997, and we said, what do we want to do going forward? And we picked out two or three projects, and this is the one that really sort of took off. We were interested in this area because of gaps we saw in the medical system. The medical system works very well for acute care or acute interventions. So once you have the patient there, things go very well. It's these gaps in between visits which are uh, a problem, both in chronic care and in prevention. And this is one of the reasons that we wanted to get into uh, telemedicine. So you mentioned that the NIH created a grant for this program. 
Are there any other current national telehealth or telemedicine initiatives that you're aware of? I believe there are, are, are several, yeah. The, I mean, the first, the, the National Library of Medicine funded some programs like this for particularly for education for patients using the Internet. And then I think the Department of Health and Human Services decided at some point that telemedicine was a fundable area of research. And once they, they sort of advised NIH to, to look at this as a funding project, it became quite possible to be funded for telemedicine projects. I know there are several around the country at different organizations, uh, the, several of the uh, universities on the West Coast and Others around the United States are funded through NIH grants to conduct telemedicine research for disease management. Dr. Beauvais, what is your personal approach or philosophy when it comes to telemedicine? You know, it's an interesting problem because of access. I, we're evolving a large uh, large population of older patients. Uh, there's a baby boom everybody mentions is, is, is on us, and we're, we're seeing larger and larger demands on health care. We're running into shortages of specialists, particularly cardiologists and others that are needed to handle elderly problems. For example, in hypertension, we don't need to see the patient every time we want to provide care. We need to see their blood pressure and transmitting blood pressure back and forth across the Internet so that the patient can report their data and and we can review it and advise medication changes is an ideal way to manage a chronic disease state. Heart failure, blood pressure, uh, hypertension, diabetes, and some other chronic diseases can be managed without having to see the patient at each encounter. And this is where it's it's got a strong advantage. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell, and I'm with Dr. Alfred Beauvais, Vice President of the American College of Cardiology, as well as Dr. Bill Santamore, and we're discussing telemedicine. Dr. Santamore, do you have a unique philosophy when it comes to telemedicine? Well, I think just to highlight some of the points Fred said is that the initial design concepts we had is to strengthen the patient-physician interaction. This is going to be the centerpiece of care and any kind of improvement in care. And we also are trying to do this in a very cost-effective manner. So anytime we come to a decision point, we always go back to these fundamental principles when we have to make some design changes. Can either of you tell me about the studies that you've recently completed when it comes to heart failure management? Let's split them up. I'll talk about our heart failure study, and I'll let Dr. Santamore talk a little bit about our uh, risk factor reduction study. We started a study to manage chronic heart failure in our heart failure and transplant program at Temple University in Philadelphia in 1999 using the telemedicine program. This was set up so that a patient with class 3 or class 4 heart failure could report their their vital signs like blood pressure, pulse rate, and weight, and symptoms anytime they felt they wanted to. We asked them to do it at least once a week, but they could report at any time. The practice would review these symptoms and, and other data on a daily basis and report back to the patient with strategies to manage their, their heart failure. This is called tailored therapy in the broader spectrum of disease management for heart failure. In that study, which is now completed after a two-year trial with 48 patients randomized, it was a small trial, the, the patients randomized to the telemedicine arm had a significant reduction in their number of hospitalizations in a year from about an average of 1.7 hospitalizations per patient per year to about 1.0 hospitalizations. This was a significant reduction. And, and, and also the visits to the emergency room by those patients were also significantly reduced in the, in the group that was using telemedicine. Surprisingly, for example, telephone calls back to the practice, which is a common management tool in heart failure, increased with our telemedicine group. So they actually developed more communication in addition to the telemedicine tool that they had at their disposal. At the end of it all, there was about 1,800 transmissions in the patients over a year's time, and that averaged about six a month, about one and a half transmissions of data 
per week in order to provide management for their heart failure. So we, we felt that we, we did show that this increased communication was able to reduce the number of acute exacerbations of heart failure. We did not design the study to look at uh, long-term clinical outcomes such as mortality or anything like that. What were some of the benefits that healthcare providers gained from the study? Well, obviously, uh, the um, healthcare providers had to pay less uh, for hospitalization and emergency room care. Our number of office visits actually declined a little bit in the heart failure group, but not significantly. It was a small reduction in office visits. I think the healthcare providers are interestingly not ready to, to fund this kind of a tool on a large-scale basis. I think we still need time to adapt a methodology for reimbursement because, in my own thinking, we're going to have to develop reimbursement based on some outcome measures rather than on, on procedures or visits. And that's a very tricky methodology. So right now, I think uh, when we hear from the insurers, they they like this kind of system, but they're not prepared to reimburse for the care under that system because the model isn't designed to measure effectiveness of that of that kind of care at this time. And I think there's a lot of efforts right now to develop a model to pay for um, chronic disease management without having to just count the number of visits or hospitalizations. So we're not yet ready for prime time when it comes to telemedicine because of the, the payer reimbursement issue. I think that's a good way to say it. I mean, there, is, there certainly is, is adequate, or I wouldn't say adequate, at least good research funding opportunities right now, and that's kind of where we've been and others as well. But you're right, we're not quite ready for prime time in terms of funding on a large-scale uh, health system basis. Is Medicare even paying? Medicare has been doing some demonstration projects in remote areas. I know there was one in Alaska and one in Hawaii. I don't think they're quite prepared as well, uh, except in very unique situations. There is a Medicare code that will pay for um, a teleconsultation between two physicians over a single patient. For example, if a, if a, a primary care physician has a complicated problem, wants to consult with a, cardi- with a cardiologist or another specialist, uh, using a video telemedicine type of connection, you can be reimbursed for that kind of a visit. This other disease management type of tool is not being reimbursed yet. So it appears that organizations are resistant to investing in these types of remote patient monitoring solutions, and it's a societal issue whether or not we can prove these things to be clinically and financially effective in these high-risk and high-cost patients with multiple chronic diseases. I think that's a good summary, yes. Currently, what are the benefits to the patient? I think there's two two very important things. First of all, the patients are required in this kind of system to make their own measurements. So the, the first point is if they're, if they're going to measure blood pressure and pulse rate and weight and so on, they have to get some understanding of why they're doing that and how it relates to their disease. So there's a, there's a patient engagement component of this where the patient starts to participate in their care. And I think the psychosocial folks that we work with call this self-efficacy. And uh, what, what we're trying to achieve with this, with this tool, in addition to transmitting information back and forth, is to get the patient engaged, number one, in understanding their chronic disease state and the, in the, in the methodologies to maintain stability in that chronic disease state and actually participate in the care, rather than coming to, for example, a physician or other healthcare provider and just receiving directions and orders, in a sense, of what to do on a, on a quarterly basis, for example. I think that model doesn't work well in chronic disease, and the self-efficacy component of this and the patient's engagement in their own care, I think, is a big advantage to this kind of a tool. It's advantageous for the patient, but there'll be a lot more phone calls to the primary care physician, which might be a little annoying, but yet in the patient's best interest. Yeah, and, and the other the other way that, that one can deal with this is, is in chronic disease states, such as heart failure or chronic renal failure or chronic pulmonary disease, you might develop the telemedicine process around, um, uh, around a, uh, a core 
specialty center for, for this kind of care so that the primary care physician doesn't have to be sort of harassed by these frequent phone calls and so on. And the information can be provided to the primary care physician, in particular on, on the status of these patients. And uh, we've, we've seen some of that in uh, some of our other projects, actually, that we, we've become a third-party observer and the primary care physicians receive the data rather than actually be the first, the, the frontline person. Doctors, any last-minute thoughts on where you would like to see the future of telemedicine go? Dr. Santamore. Well, obviously, I'd like to see it expand into becoming a practical tool to help follow uh, patients with chronic diseases and prevention. Well, I'd like to thank our guests, Dr. Alfred Beauvais and Dr. Bill Santamore. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. This is Dr. Alfred Beauvais, and I would like to state that the opinions you've heard are my personal opinions and not those of the American College of Cardiology.